Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. On today's show, we have a Jurassic World 3 casting update for you. If you want to keep up with the MCU, apparently Disney Plus is going to be an absolute must. And then the streaming service wars are on, and we have an update on how everyone is doing thus far. like way too much of that rhymed and it's kind of freaking me out right now so i'm gonna introduce my guests jeff snyder and drew taylor hello guys hello good morning happy friday good yeah i just met drew i've been reading his stuff for years this is also freaking me out i've just come to assume that anybody who has ever appeared on movie talk knows each other and for you two in particular just because like i've known you both for a while because it was like oh all right, yeah, it's going to be too. a good yeah. time today. Yeah. It's going to be a good time today. We have some interesting stories to talk about. And the first one is actually a Jeff Snyder exclusive. Whoa. So Whoa. Jeff has confirmed that Justice Smith <laughs> and Daniela Pineda are set to reprise their roles in Jurassic World 3. In case you need a little bit of an update here, a refresher, Smith played Franklin Webb, a former IT guy for Jurassic World, who is now the Dinosaur Protection Group system analyst and go-to hacker. And Pineda played Zia Rodriguez, a former Marine who serves as the group's, I'm not going to pronounce this properly. No, I will. Paleo veterinarian. There yeah, you go. That's a nice that. Former easy. Marine. Yeah, I, I <laughs> seem to have forgot that little She had a whole bit, Marine backstory. You got cut. Really? It's on the cutting room floor, I'm telling you. Do you wow. think that? All right. Well, do you think that's going to come back into play here? Are we going to actually learn about? No, her I, I have no idea. <laughs> when you guys, I hear, found that on Wikipedia. To be honest, really, I'm, I'm surprised with how many times I've seen Fallen Kingdom. I am surprised that detail Wait, isn't more. Second. How many times have you seen Fallen Kingdom? Couple, 
quite a few. Quite a few? <laughs> Didn't you watch the, the Iron Man was enough match for me. that I, Cody I was... and I participated in? We had enough that's, our stuff okay, for that. Okay, that's fair. You did have yeah. a match. But, but that's, like, that's the kind of detail that I feel like would have come up in a match like that. So the right. fact that I'm completely unaware of go. it is Helping a little alarming to me. But you guys hear that these two are returning to the franchise. Does it surprise you at all, given how many other people are coming back for more Jurassic? I mean, you broke this news. Do you know how much of the movie they're going to be in? Do you know anything? No. So they could just be walking in through the background. And- I mean, I think this is still Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard's franchise at the end of the day. And then, you know, Frosty was the one who had Laura Dern come out at the Collider screening uh, and, and say that they're all going to have sizable roles. Her, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum. So I don't know how much room is left for Justice Smith and Daniela Pineda. Who knows if Jake Johnson comes back? I would love... To see that Ooh. happen, I don't. That may be in the works. It may. It, it may not be done yet, or maybe it's hit a snag. I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing him come back. I'm just. I'm starting to get that concern over how much screen time any of them have, and I'm also getting a little worried about the idea of. And you know, I I do really believe in Colin Trevorrow with this franchise. I think he really does care about it and have the best intentions. I just don't want a scenario where everyone is like. Ha ha, look, we're all together now. We're going to go on an adventure together. I want these two groups to unite for a very legitimate reason. And the only reason I can give these two to return is because they are part of the dinosaur protection group. And if Bryce Dallas Howard is coming back, she has to still be be affiliated with that. And I assume these two are. It's just... Then Harry is nerding out like yeah. on a Star Wars level I'm right now. I'm <laughs> trying to figure out with everything that has gone on in the previous films, like... Why, why does Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum say to themselves, like, we must, right. you what, know. What gets them back? I don't know what the storyline is. We must come back into the Jurassic spotlight and team up with this organization. Because I don't understand how the movie has them all in it unless that's the narrative. Where do you stand on this franchise? I, I'm just I'm just sitting here shocked that she has given so much <laughs> thought to this franchise. a lot of yeah, detail. I mean, I very invested in the Jurassic World world. <laughs> More so than probably anyone else at this point. I, re- I really... I do really love Jurassic World, but do you Jurassic love the, Park is a classic. I, d- I went on the ride. Right. You know, okay. I went on the. I missed the opening of the ride, but I went on the ride during Halloween Horror Nights, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. I walked in extremely bitter because you know I, I love like that old school texture of mm-hmm. a ride that's been around for a really long time. And personally, I didn't think that ride even needed updated. It's it's not about the animatronics. It's about the big drop, and the animatronics had that old school charm to it. So I was fine, but. Have you been on it? Yeah, yeah. So the cool, one of the coolest parts of that ride is right at the very beginning when you go into the the Mosasaurus yeah. thing with the, with the tank and just the uh, the digital displays all around you. It was done so yeah. so well. So yeah, I like the ride. All right, I'm th- I think of this Jurassic World three as kind of like a, the Avengers Endgame for this franchise, and they're taking the stars from Jurassic Park and the stars of Jurassic World and the stars of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom now, and that's so they. Have sort of have everybody together but you know call me when you get ariana richards because that's who i really want to see back well ariana richards and uh joe mazzello yeah like someone tweeted at me but the other day I, th- I think they both should be if you're gonna bring Mazzello's it, still acting like, i see yeah. him around I'm, I'm buddies, she's I'm, out of the business should we call joe right now i'm buddies with him we yeah, should just get him on the phone okay, i'll text him make yeah. sure he knows yeah. that i'm rooting for him okay, to be back will, in this movie uh, yes. but now all i can picture is like the old school stars of jurassic running against like a whole bunch of dinosaurs out in the real 
real world in the field somewhere. That, I think it would be cool. I'm just saying now that we've got Joe Pesci back in The Irishman, I think the next person we get to get out of retirement is Ariana Richards. I really never thought that we would <laughs> The seat goes too far back. Who am I? Dad, I got to talk to you about this. I don't even know if the camera was on you when that happened, but that was uh, wildly amusing. It happened last week during Rumor. Yeah, so. do, do not lean far like back. You have been warned, Drew. I, well, don't I, well, do I'm it. On, I'm on my best behavior. All right. Uh, one more question I have for you guys about uh, Jurassic World 3. Really? Because... Uh, <laughs> Well, I like talking about box office. I like this guy. I like talk- you know I like talking about box office. Yes, yeah. And 2021 is a long ways away, but given the narrative that's kind of been constructed in the news right now and the buzz level for another Jurassic World film, do you see this one having even a bigger gross than the last two? Because this isn't necessarily a franchise that has had super diminishing returns, but, right. you know, the second one wasn't as hot as the first one, so we well, always had to the first one, ask, like, the biggest movie of all time one, or something? The first one was freaking It's the huge. sixth highest grossing yeah. movie of all time, wow. according to my story. Wow. So do you think that uh, Jurassic World 3 is going to top Fallen Kingdom, or do you think we're just going to see it dip a little bit Well, how again? many tickets are you going to buy? That's the really question. I think you could put it. You could put it over the top. There's no. There's no doubt. I will probably see it twice during opening weekend, and then I'm going to wind up going back. Wow. This. I mean, this. Is, this and Scream. This they're is my franchise. Yeah. You know what? I respect. Speaking it. Yeah. of which, I'm there still. Were, I'm challenging you, De- Jeff. One day to an Iron Man Scream match. I, I really I'm, want that to happen. I'm down we, to make it. Happen. We have to make it happen too before does this Scream to be the whole Five comes out. Though? Yes, it does. I just does. don't want to keep watching some of those. Which are? Right, wait, wait. Now I'm curious. Tell me which are your favorites. I mean, one and two, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you have no soft Four spot is, for three. No, it's uh, three's okay. Before I can't. Three do. was so compromised. I was reading about three recently about all the like oh, post Columbine. They had to. T- they wanted to take out all the violence. Okay. That's why it's set in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Well, three three just has a very different vibe. <laughs> yeah. Than Jay the, and Silent Bob are in three. Let's just remember that. <laughs> I quite I quite like four though, but we have to have this match before Scream Five comes out because I am extremely nervous about what they're going to do with that franchise. Yeah, I, know. I watched that episode. You were on the yeah. edge of your seat. Where do you guys stand on that? Do you want a reboot or do you want a continuation with the familiar characters? Re- reboot. Yeah. 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 All right. It's, I think we're all on the same page yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Time. Let's get into <laughs> watching these movies since I was twelve years old. <laughs> oh God. I, please don't mess it up. Please don't mess it up. <laughs> Story number two here. Uh, your favorite topic, Jeff. MCU stuff. So Ooh. there is some interesting information out there, specifically some quotes from Kevin Feige that basically tell you that in order to be, you know, an MCU completist, but also to get the the full impact of the storyline that they're developing right now, Disney Plus isn't an optional thing. It's an absolute must. Here is the quote that he gave Bloomberg. If you want to understand everything in future Marvel movies, he says, you'll probably need a Disney Plus subscription because events from the new shows will factor into forthcoming films, such as Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. The Scarlet Witch will be a key character in that movie, and Feige points out that the Loki series will tie in, too. He says, I'm not sure we've actually acknowledged that before, but it does. What do you guys make of this when you hear it? Because it's like, I was going to sign up for Disney Plus no matter what. You I'm haven't gonna... signed up yet? Well, I have. Okay. okay. I, had to get, I had to get the, good, the, yeah, founders, the, oh, yeah. the founders deal. Pen, yeah. But the point is, I was going to sign up no matter what. I'm going to watch these shows no matter what. But something feels like, like a little bit of a thorn in my side that this narrative that they've 
basically uh, put together here is that if you want to keep up with these MCU movies that cost a pretty penny to see on the big screen, now you're also obligated to pay a streaming service subscription. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think that I mean, I think that Marvel has done a pretty good job so far in sort of keeping people up to date without necessarily having seen all the movies. Like, I'm not sure how many people actually saw Dark World before, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Endgame. So I think they'll be a good they'll they'll be able to you'll be able to watch them. I think, but also there was some study recently that like two out of three like moviegoers is going to be signing up for Disney Plus. I mean, I know we're talking about streaming later, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem for a lot of people. Also, they're so short that I feel like it's it's not like a 22-episode commitment that you can watch yeah, these six yeah. episodes in a weekend and right. kind of get, get caught up if That's you need to. That's the big difference right. between what they're doing now and, let's say, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. if you felt yes. the pressure at the very beginning to watch all of that. Which no one did, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> Kevin says, if you want to understand everything in future Marvel movies, I mean... Do I want to understand everything? Even with it, like, do I understand everything anyways? Right. Uh, So I don't know that it's a must. I think that people will be able to understand what's going on in the Marvel movie without seeing some of these series. Um, You know, the series sound interesting, and they sound like they're taking actual creative risks. That the movies, I'm not saying that the movies don't take creative risks, but, you know, like, WandaVision sounds particularly, like, out there. Like, I don't think that they would ever do, like, a movie like WandaVision. So, you know, if they can experiment more uh, on Disney+, Plus, then I'm all for it. I am, I'm very much looking forward to WandaVision. I think that might be one of my most anticipated of all the shows that they've uh, announced right now for that exact reason. I just I just have a feeling because you mentioned Thor the Dark World and that at this point was early MCU. It just feels like the more movies they release, the more they tie in to the point that Ant-Man and the Wasp had a button at the end that was very important to the beginning of Endgame. And also when you start to go more cosmic like the Eternals, that's a whole new world in the MCU that uh, fans are not really aware of. So if any of those elements come up in the show and go back and forth, I don't know, I just feel like we're entering a time where the MCU is kind of telling me that if you don't know everything, you're not going to get the full experience. Right. But you can still get a experience. Yeah, you can. Right? You can. You don't have to have the like compendium version. Because, I mean, I'm sure there's like people who have read every comic book issue and they'll say, oh, you don't get it unless you do that. I don't know. It could be something yeah, th- like that. To me, this is this is just marketing for Disney+, Plus, isn't it? Like, he, ha- he kind of has to say that the same way... You know, when, when Sony, like, releases the Tarantino movie, re-releases it, and they're like, oh, this, this cool must-see footage, and it's just, like, a bunch of fluff. Like, you don't really need to see it. It's going to be on the Blu-ray anyways. I feel like the people who maybe miss out on these series, they would be able to find out somehow the important things that they missed in going into the next movie. Mm-hmm. Because you brought up, what did you say, two of three moviegoers? Yeah, I saw some crazy stat that, that like two out of every three moviegoers is going to sign up for Disney+. Plus. That stat is absolutely insane Oh, it's to nuts. Me. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it kind of gives me an answer to this question that I had been thinking about. And it's just because like we've talked before about, you know, superhero fatigue and Marvel fatigue. Eventually, you know, maybe you've had enough. And. I am wondering if the more they release both on the big screen, which the slate is getting bigger, and also on Disney+, Plus, if that's going to happen, to the point that if people feel obligated not just to see, let's say, four Marvel movies on the big screen, but then also to keep up with all these series, are are we going to be in a situation where people just throw their hands up and say, like, I can't do it enough? Yeah, maybe. 
there's a finite amount of time in the day. I mean, I think that you know part of the success of the Marvel movies is having that build up in between films that you know a couple months go by and you want your superhero fix again. This is going to sort of fill those gaps, all these different shows, and maybe it actually hurts the the MCU box office. Possibly, I don't know. It's funny as much as I I really do love the MCU quite a bit, but. I don't think I have that lull in between movies anymore because there's so much other content out there right now. Mm-hmm. And there, it's not even just new content. There's so much stuff that I'm catching up on right now. I was telling you guys before, I'm super into Succession right now. You know, I'm glad there's not yet another movie out there that's taking my attention away from that because I'm enjoying it. So yeah. if there was another Jurassic World movie out right now, your Succession if, viewing would if be... They, all I want right now for... I love how we're going back to Jurassic. <laughs> I want them to do so many many more Battle of Big Rock shorts. That, You'll that's be able what to get I them want. On Peacock. Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> that that could be the tipping point for me with Peacock. I might sign up if they guaranteed more Jurassic shorts. <laughs> There's just too much. Wow. There's too much out there right now. Speaking of having too much to watch, we're about to tell you about something really cool that you could own right now. So I recently had the chance to visit the Warner Brothers lot to learn about a brand new restoration of Wizard of Oz. Here's a sneak peek of my trip there. We have six cold vaults here in this building um, where we store our original film elements, everything post-1951, because Kodak and other film manufacturers in 1951 stopped making nitrate film which is very explosive or combustible. For instance, The Wizard of Oz is on nitrate film, but that's stored at the George Eastman house. But here are our crown jewels, our actual film elements in our cold box. And if you thought you were warm, you're not going to be in this house. So like I said, it's 35 degrees temperature, 25% humidity, earthquake resistant. There's very, very little paper in this, in this facility. It's plastic because fire's the nemesis, obviously. But if there was a fire, for unknown reasons there could be, there's a halon system that will literally, in 60 seconds, take all the oxygen out of the building because the film's more important than us. Because Warner Brothers has 20 million film assets around the planet, all of the original cut negatives are barcoded and also cataloged so any one piece of film can be located. So I'm holding the original negative of Superman the movie, and now I'm out. You guys saw the Final Destination reel in there, right? I think that was one of the highlights of my day that day, but also... This is just a really amazing restoration of Wizard of Oz. I think we have a side-by-side we could show you so you can get a sense of if you buy this version of the film. I mean, look at the difference there. A lot of people on this tour were talking about how you could see, you know, variations in the makeup and the costume work that you've never been able to see before. And that is exactly what we witnessed on this trip. And there is so much more to the video. So if you want to learn more about this process and Technicolor film, the full video is going to be live on Collider Video and also Collider.com so you can give it a watch over there. Also, big shout out to Remsen who edited that video and did incredible work. All right, let's go into story number three right now. We're going to give you a little update on the streaming wars right now, especially given the fact that Disney Plus is now just days away. But two other little bits of information that we want to point out here is according to Variety, Apple's new shows for Apple TV Plus 
generated fairly modest levels of demand. And then also in Netflix news, Samsung had just announced that due to technical limitations, Netflix will no longer be supported on 2010 and 2011 TVs beginning on December 1st, 2019. So I think the Netflix thing might be a a smaller issue than what we're looking at right now with uh, Apple TV Plus. But if you look at the original report for that, there is this uh, devastating looking chart on that site that basically shows that, I mean, almost none of the Apple TV series that launched generated much interest. I think the only one that made it into the top 20 on that chart is C with Jason Momoa. So you guys read that early report. What do you think? Is it is it too quickly to say doom and gloom for Apple TV Plus? I'm just shocked they launched this thing with six shows and that's it. Like, it just seems sort of ill-advised from the get-go. You had to launch it early, though. You had to get out in front of Disney+, Plus, e- even though you only had a handful of shows ready to go, and it probably would have been best to wait for the Spielberg show. Because um, that's not on the service, right? Amazing, Amazing Stories. Amazing isn't up yet. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I would have launched around Spielberg, um, but I understand wanting to get subscribers on the hook before all these streaming ser- uh, services start to come out. I get it, but why bother doing that without much fanfare? Like, I wonder how many people out there are even aware that this service is available. Because I was telling you guys before, and my mom is probably watching, she was very into watching Morning Show, and she hasn't yet. Like if, if you go into it with urgency to watch something and you're not aware that something is launched to watch it, then why bother to begin with? Yeah, I mean, it, the service is essentially free for most people, right? Because they're kind of giving it away with phones and right. watches and whatever. So, I mean, I don't know what their internal metrics are that had to be met. but And I heard that the people who bought iPads and things like that within the last year or two, they it had it automatically uh, signed up. Mm-hmm. Oh, so like they woke up to you know in their iPad that they've only had for a year because their information is recent or whatever. Yeah, they got they got the free year too. So you do, do you think this is kind of just like early day, you know, shakiness here, especially when you think of the fact that Apple is really one of the only streaming services with with tech to pair it with. I mean, could we see a time in the next couple of months or years where because we all own Apple products, these alerts actually start working and we start prioritizing what we're being alerted to versus, let's say, you know, Netflix, which I'll, doesn't have certain Samsung TVs anymore. I'll, I'll tell you another thing I didn't like about this, the, the launch, uh, the date, because when you think about how many people are just hung over the day after Halloween, like you don't even know what day it is, like forgetting, like you don't remember what streaming service is launching that afternoon. I, I, I did not like the day after Halloween launch. All right. No, that's. That's fair. I mean, there's something about starting fresh on a new month that has appealed to me. But, I mean, like, it didn't really matter if it was the day after Halloween. It's, like, we know November 12th. Right. Like, who knew November 1st for Apple TV Plus? Nobody. And the fact, I was bitching about this before, but that there's, uh, there's, it's not on PS4, and it's not on Xbox. Mm -hmm. So it's like... Is, are the, is that audience just something that they don't want? I mean, C seems to me like a kind of sci-fi, post-apocalyptic thing that the same kids that are playing video games are going to want to watch. Well, I do wonder if that's kind of the next wave of the streaming wars is, 
you know, uh, we were just talking about how Apple's a company with hardware. What if we do see, you know, Netflix and Disney aligning with certain products like that and only being available on a certain thing, right. which which is kind of scary to me because it, it limits you to one type of content depending on what you own. I I would not count Apple out at all. I think it's just, you know, early days. Think about where Netflix was back in the day with that Eli Roth show. Remember that one? What oh. was that? Oh, Hemlock Grove. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched that show. <laughs> I, I bet you did. <laughs> so, not saying I you know, like that. The, the early Netflix days were rocky as well. Um, you know, Apple is run by two veteran executives from Sony TV who launched shows like Breaking Bad. Uh, I think that they will eventually get the hang of it. And if they don't, if Apple's like, listen, this isn't working, all they have to do is go like this, and they've bought Netflix. I think that's the difference with uh, the early days of Netflix. Because like back in the early days of Netflix, they were, they were also just like a gigantic library. And were, were they still sending DVDs? They still send DVDs still now, do, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's like, was that, a big, was that still mm-hmm. a big part of the service back when, what was Hemlock Grove, 2011? 13 maybe. Well, what's interesting about uh, the the discs is that it's still a huge it still props up the bottom line for Netflix. It makes right. like 500 million a year or something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, think about all the places that have, you know, crummy Wi-Fi yeah. or, you know, stuff like People that. Sold so, DVD players. Yeah. That's I mean, that that's semi true. But the thing Mine's Apple- not plugged in anymore, <laughs> but I still have one. I have mine for emergencies. <laughs> but I Apple don't even has want to no- know what these emergencies are. <laughs> <laughs> no you don't. <laughs> Apple has no library, right? They have no like that's catalog, right? So that's the which the is thing. why there's speculation that they may acquire a studio or an, or mm. a rival. I thought they would have gotten uh, Paramount if Paramount and Viacom hadn't merged right. fully. Of of all the studios still standing, what do you think the one that they could go for or should go for is? I mean, A24 is already making movies for Apple, and so there was speculation back then when that deal was announced that Apple was going to acquire A24 outright. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, that would definitely create more urgency for me to pay attention to Apple TV+. Plus. I think what I'm most afraid of for Apple TV Plus's sake, and Apple is still a major company. They are going to be fine no matter what happens with the streaming service. But the fact that it was such a soft launch. I'm not just talking about interest, but how little there was there. Because like now, now it's almost like I feel like you either have to start like super hot and super big or it's like, an even steeper climb to the top because now, even though they did launch first, now Disney Plus is coming and it doesn't even matter what they did because Disney Plus is coming with so much right. content that they're still going to have As soon as the Mandalorian anyway. arrives, whatever show you're watching on Apple, that's going to get put on the back burner probably. Mm-hmm. Do any of these shows on Apple TV Plus right now catch your eye at all? I thought that for your for mankind sounded fun, and then the reviews came out, and it was like, ooh. Okay. I can't even remember what that was. It's the female. It's the Russians get to the moon first oh. show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the morning show sounded interesting. Like I might actually watch that in time, but I'm not in a rush to see any of the others. Can we get your mom on the show to and talk he, about morning show? Did yeah. she, she, is she? Is she going to watch she it? Would, she would in a heartbeat. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure she will watch it. Okay. Usually holiday time is our binge watching time. And you know what we binge every single Christmas now? What? Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Wow. Wow. It's that, seriously. That's it's a, a new Christmas tradition in your it, That's amazing. How many episodes yeah. are there? That sounds we, like a lot of time. We, yeah. We, no, we we burned through it. I was like, there's so, there's not much to do. So what has this been like we're the also, last two years? We're also Jews on Christmas. We're not doing anything. We're you just sitting the, in the house. You're going to the movies and having Chinese food like everybody else. Yeah, 
No, I mean, we do do that also. We watch. Like you're, now you're telling me you're binging watches, the whole series? My family watches a lot of content. Damn. See, that's the thing. My family watches a lot of content across the board, and we all have different interests. So the fact that I'm still freaked out that, like, none of us really know what to do with all the stuff coming at us, like, it almost feels like we have a wealth of content right now, and it's all going to suffer because it's all just being, like, thrown out and spread around. Yeah, and it burns out very quickly, too, right? Like, people talked about Stranger Things 3, which I thought was great, for, like, two days. And then the, the conversation was, was kind of over. That, that's the thing. with the, when, when you drop all your series at once, which is why... Uh, they're not doing that, right? Uh, Apple TV? Or is it- Disney Plus isn't doing it either. Right, right yeah. yeah. Apple TV is week to week, right? right yeah. Because that hit, it's just, it's gone in a weekend. I can't. We're getting two Mandalorian episodes the first week, though. So. That, I mean, Ooh. I'm very much looking that's forward like, that's to that. That's like the Hulu model. Hulu used a, to launch with two shows. A very show, random question, but like, do you think that the binge watch model is going to limit the amount of TV shows we wind up calling classics down the line? Like that, just yes, that, because that it's quick such a fractured space. Not everybody will be able to like get behind like one show. Yeah, I've never really thought about that before. But you know, like we're uh, we're starting to talk about you know end of the decade material, mm. and you know when you talk about the best TV shows of the decade, like there's an endless list. There's like an endless list, and you know some like you know maybe uh, like Game of Thrones level event watching have a big group behind it but most of them have very small camps of people that are super hyped on a specific thing so now you guys are just all fighting all the editors at Collider are fighting for their, no, their show okay. I think we're going to spread the love okay, as much good, as possible good. I wasn't I, even invited to participate wow. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. There's that. I mean, there's so many features in the works, and you should be keeping an eye out for all of it. You know what else you should keep an eye out for? Collider.com has so many utility pieces. And again, we were talking about how much content there is out there right now. And if you're confused about it, you don't know what's available on launch, seriously, just scroll through their feed right now, because I know for a fact they've got a great Disney Plus article that covers literally every single title, TV and film, that is going to be available when the service launches on November 12th. I know that date. I don't know some of the others. All right. We wanted to save a lot of time today for live chat questions. And we sure did. Guess what? <laughs> I didn't screen a single one of these. And I'm Ooh. just going to run through the list right now. And these we're going to try. be prank tweeters. We're yeah. going to. I've already been there, thanks, Dorian. Um, we're just going to go through this and try to get some new names in the mix right now. Um, oh, I th- Oh, actually, this is a point we probably should have brought up earlier. Mm. So one of the first things I see here is David Cooper saying, so screw moviegoers outside of the U.S. I'm not sure if that, what, what that specifically pertains to for certain, but I know they did just announce that Disney Plus isn't coming to certain territories like the UK until March of 2020. So like, why do you think that's the case? And could that become a problem with, I I don't know, spoilers or, or people just signing up without any illegal downloads of things. Yeah. I mean, I think that the rights and license issues are just as complicated in Europe as Mm -hmm. they are here. And they just kind of cleared those out earlier here. That's I don't know if you saw that story about there being a stars ad on Disney Plus. Oh yeah. When yeah. you log in because they had to clear the licenses for I think Star Wars. So you're gonna see that ad. Um so I'm sure there are complications. Wait, like wait, that I'm overseas. sorry. Can you re explain why we see that ad? Because Stars still had the license for the new Star okay, Wars okay. movies. Right. Interesting. So to get them on the service they had to provide it was it was a as we like to say, quid pro quo. Been thrown around a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know what the, the license issues were. There was also sort of a 
Disney Plus style subscription already in the UK called Disney Life that included books and music that mm. they, I'm sure they had to clear out that too. So, well, I want I want Audible to go to one of these companies, right? Like I want Audible to be part of a streaming service that I already paid for, and then I'd be set. <laughs> um, any concern about the service launching late in certain territories? Nope, I don't live there. Whoa, oh, cold, not cool, not cold. Um, Sorry. Admittedly, I do feel for people who, let's say, really want to watch The Mandalorian and are going to have to sit through months of us talking about it. Yeah, but they have free health care. They're fine. You know, that's the, that's the I, trade-off. I know, I know. My heart it's... goes out to you people who can't watch The Mandalorian. Minimal problems week. compared right, to right. other things we're dealing with. But, uh, yeah, I think the only thing that I could tell you, David, if this is what your question was even about, is... You know, just be mindful. There's no doubt there's going to be a lot of Mandalorian content on the Internet. A lot of it is going to have spoilers in it. So try to just wait and don't click on anything. All right. This next one from Matt Stoker. In light of the negative response to the CGI James Dean news from high profile actors, do you think this blowback will have any negative effect on making films with deceased actors? Do you I think mean, this it, is going to be a thing even? I do think it's going to be oh. a thing. I think it's kind of the future, which is messed up. First of all, I think that when these celebrities do pass, then their estates you know, control their image. Yeah. These estates are craven. I mean, they're, they've been used to living in this like you know, lavish lifestyle afforded by you know, whoever the celebrity was. Now that that person's not around, they're going to sell out the, the person's image for sure. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen in a lot of cases. And uh, but but it's different when it's James Dean in some random movie, and it's you know the guy in Star Wars who they who they brought back. Yeah, um, I'm blanking Tarkin. on the name. Yes, Peter Cushing. Yeah, like that. That's a different kind of thing to me. So this is my succession brain kicking in right now. I think we actually need a series, like a behind uh, behind the scenes uh, look at an estate, like navigating this new element of the industry. I would be fascinated to see that. And just like the, the people leading the estate and whether or not to, you know, commit to movies and shows like this. Does anyone remember that Tales from the Crypt episode where they brought back Humphrey Bogart? It was a Robert Zemeckis-directed no. episode. Now I have to look at Yeah, it's really now, interesting. Yeah, yeah but I, that, that was the first time well, I remember this happening. And didn't Fred Astaire dance with cool. a vacuum or something in a commercial back yeah, in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I... <sighs> Especially with like Doctor Sleep fresh on my brain right now, which has no no digital cre- right. creations. Yeah. yeah, I just I don't understand why more don't go that route. I think the technology worked well in The Irishman, where you are taking a living actor who is playing one particular character uh, like for an extent of their life and de aging them. But the idea of bringing back someone who is long gone and essentially changing their craft is extremely alarming to me. Right, and not allowing that person to sort of sign off on what, on what it is yeah. that they're mm-hmm. doing. Because um, I brought this up when we talked about it uh, originally, but it, it could change their legacy. That's what bothers me. Mm-hmm. It's like, we know James Dean's original work, but what about someone who is, like, let's say, born today, and the first thing they see of James right. Dean is this digital recreation right. of an iconic like, actor. That movie sucked. He sucks. James <laughs> Dean sucks. How terrible would that be? I mean, the Collider uh, George Lucas videos are pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they're, they very, they're very controversial, though. Controversial, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Very funny, and uh, Frank, our wonderful editor, works so hard on those, so... Job well done, Frank, as well. We have the best <laughs> editing team here. The best editors, yeah, the best listen, switchers. Not... Adam in the booth. Early li- early uh, shout-out for you right now, because you rock. Did you yeah. want to add something? No. Just that they rock. <laughs> yes, thank you for reiterating <laughs> you that. You guys are all right. All right. 
Let's go to another question here. Oh, I got very confused. Dorian's deleting these as I read them. Thank you. Luke Nelson says, what are your favorite performances of the year? For me, nothing comes close to Lupita in us. Luke, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I wish you would get a nomination this year, and I just have a bad feeling it's not happening. Yeah, I love that performance. That's an amazing performance. I'll let you go first, Drew. No, I, 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 now I'm, you're putting me on the spot there. I can predict yours. What? Because I think I share it. Yeah. You're going to say Jesse Buckley. Jesse and Buckley Wild and Wild Rose. Rose is terrific. Actually, oh my God, I'm going to, uh, I have a name for you. Hold okay. On. <laughs> All right. I, I, now, well, what, now about, what about Willem Dafoe? Because I watched it again lighthouse. last night. Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson in the lighthouse. It's like, I, like, I can't believe there are any Robert Pattinson doubters out there yeah. at this point because he is just incredible. Yeah, I hated High Life. So, but did you ever see it? Yeah, no, I hated High Life. I can't, yeah. I I can't see High Life for a very specific reason, right? Uh, well, oh, that is there there's, a dog? There's, yeah, there's a, a dog thing in oh, it, right? Okay. Yeah, I don't remember. So, yeah, okay. I remember when it played at TIFF, someone warned me about oh, that. Okay. I'm just going to skip that screening. <laughs> Okay, I watched, I rewatched last night, which is a tough movie to rewatch, The Nightingale. Oh. The Nightingale might be a masterpiece. The Nightingale is one of yeah. the best movies of the year, and Essling Franciosi and Bekali Ganambar are so good. It's like criminal the way that nobody's talking about these two performances. It's it's criminal, and I think the reason why, and I'm not saying this makes it any less of a masterpiece, because I, I think it is freaking phenomenal, the fact that it's such a difficult watch. Because I saw it once, and I don't need to watch it again. I don't want to watch it again, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I am in awe of the craftsmanship and the talent on display in that movie. Yeah. And I, I haven't went, watched it yet. I'm waiting for my Shout Factory Blu-ray. Wow. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't expect that to be the reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, and I thought Renee Zellweger and Adam yeah. Driver, who are sort of like the Oscar frontrunners, and Joaquin, mm-hmm. all three of them were, were amazing. I'm always going to say Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s name. I think he needs more attention than he's getting, and I'm a little, I'm a little bummed Calvin right Har- now. Who, who is Kelvin Harrison Jr.? He was in the well, he, the first time I ever saw him was in It Comes at Night, and now this year he has Loose and also Waves. Oh, wow. Both Two movies I have not watched. Yeah. He's, he's excellent in both of those. And Waves is one in particular where I feel like it's flying a little too far under the radar to actually make any noise at the Academy it's Awards. it's coming out soon, too, yeah, I, think. I think. it's right around, Monday night. I, yeah, I think it's right around the corner now. But I, I feel like that's a movie that deserves nominations, and it might not get them. What about Brad Pitt? Two of his best ever performances, for sure. Yeah. He's definitely going to get the recognition he deserves. I hope so. I, I um, Definitely believe that's going to happen. And at I, this point. I really liked uh, Shia and, and Zach Gottskagen in uh, the Peanut yes. Butter Falcon. They were terrific. Peanut Butter Falcon is a movie I could watch over and over and over again. Yep. I was overjoyed every single time that commercial came on TV because they always went with that line, like, "What time? What? What are we going to do? Like party?" And every single time he says it, I just Did you see smile. the Aeronauts yet? No. Don't write off the Aeronauts. Really? The Aeronauts, I enjoy because I did it, Tiff. I heard uh, I heard middling things, and the aeronauts screened at the very end of the festival when I was just desperate to fill whatever time I had left with, you know, high priority stuff, Felic- and I bumped Felicity it off the Jones list. Is, is is quite good, and right. quite different than we typically see Felicity Jones. I have another movie. question about the aeronauts. What if I can't see it on the big screen? Yeah, that is a movie to see on the big screen. It really have a limit, I think it has limited IMAX run. Too. No, or did they that get canceled? canceled. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. That's that's why I'm a little. 
a little concerned about that one. Yeah, the windows for the Amazon movies are very brief mm-hmm. this fall. Maybe I should uh, actually sign up for a screening of that, which I have yet to do. I am seeing <laughs> Uncut Gems very soon. I'm very excited about Ooh. that. Uh, this next question from N.K. Sombird is, two years ago when Okja and the Meyerowitz stories premiered at Cannes, there were quotes calling Netflix isn't cinema. Do you think the general sentiment has changed? Yes. I mean, the Netflix is cinema. It's no, yeah. it's no different than the movies that, that we I think there's the always going to be people who say it's not, who say, like, if it's not on the big screen, it's not it's the TV same. Or but yeah. I, I think it's part of cinema. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think we're what, gonna... what makes something cinema getting a theatrical release? Like these Netflix movies, I, we see most of them on the big screen, right? The voters see them on the big screen. Mm-hmm. So it's really no different than any other movie. It's different maybe for people who don't get a chance to see these movies in theaters. But it's also a, it's a story being told in the feature film format. That's yeah. that's a movie. That's I cinema. mean, I think I think there's a big difference between talking about the definition of cinema, which I think there is no firm definition of anyway, and someone's personal taste. I think that's the the biggest disparity we see right now. Here's a question from Alex Dom. I am hungry, so what movie food would you like to try? I would love to try some of the spirited away food. Like food oh, featured movie, in movies. Movie food. Yeah. I mean uh I guess you can have a slushy at Universal Studios. You can. From The Simpsons, yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pizza, like the cartoon with the, version. With the really stringy cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have to say, doesn't Kevin McAllister make himself mac and cheese at the end of Home Alone? He, ma- he makes himself like the perfect dinner and then yeah. just has to leave it there. Yeah, I think I would like to have eaten that mac and cheese I've, that he left there. I would, <laughs> I would still go for his, his very own cheese pizza. I really like pizza, and there's no pizza in L.A. Are you right. a Ninja Turtle? I freaking love Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Me too. My sister had all the Barbies, yeah. and I had all the Ninja Wait, Turtles. What turtle and were Jurassic you? Park figures. Who is your favorite turtle? Orange is my favorite color, so I always really liked Michelangelo, but I am more of a Donatello. Yeah. Donatello. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we cleared that we're up. NYU that was important. Peeps. That was important uh-huh. information there. All right. Where are we now? Matt. Oh, we just. Uh, no, Matt Stoker is next. I just did a double feature of Jojo Rabbit and Parasite this week. What will your go-to double feature for this year be so far? Double feature. Two movies that came out this year. Two that movies that came out this year. I really year am looking forward to, to watching Bad Times at the El Royale and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Bad, that to me feels like a great Times double feature. Bad Times at the feature. El Royale was one of the best movies of last year, and it didn't get nearly enough credit. I concur. Wow. You feel differently. No, oh, uh, well, I, I do feel differently. <laughs> but wait, so, so the, wait, that was the answer? Well, was that was bad, my bad times. Bad times and, uh, and uh, well, yeah, it's my time. Okay. S- same setting, but two no, cult yeah. leaders, you know. It's, there's a lot. I'm trying to come up with, like, just the, the best sort of combination, and I can't really. I don't um, know. The first thing that came to my mind, and it's only because we've already said these titles on the show, is doing a neon double feature, or d- actually doing a neon triple feature, and watching back-to-back-to-back Wild Rose, Loose, and Parasite. Hmm, okay. I don't know. I, th- I also think that that gives you like a really great view of what Neon is capable of and the fact that they are picking up some like high-quality, super different films. Do you think that Us and Parasite would make a great double feature? Yes. That it would. It would. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. My, my double feature, I'm going to go with a weird one. I'm going to go Jojo Rabbit and Toy Story 4. Is there a reason? Um, I feel like jo- Jojo oh, Rabbit... No, uh, no I, there is no reason... <laughs> They're well, both they're both uh, important kids movies. 
but one isn't for kids. I mean, in a or is it? In a sense, it's it's semi exploring stuff from a kid's point of view between you know uh, between like the view of Hitler from a child's perspective and like, like Toy Story toys Four is so much from the from the toy point of view. I, exactly, yeah. but it's I, I mean it's still kind of toys coming to life. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to help you out here. It's I, not I, working. I think it's you know young kids see these these movies, but they're adult stories and. I don't know. That's my double feature. I don't need to explain it any further. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Going down the list here to Wrecker R. We know what you like to eat at the theater. What do you like to eat and or drink while watching a movie at home? I I don't like do movie snacks at home, really. Occasionally popcorn, but. I don't think I really do either. Yeah. But I also don't. I don't really ever eat food in the theater either really even when they give you the free concessions no thing? i get i get distracted the free concessions I get, are gross well yeah that that a little bit but i get very i i just find it distracting to have food while i'm watching a movie i just want to be locked into the movie Interesting. but then i also won't drink anything because i'm terrified of having to get up and use the restroom and missing Guys, some of the movie th- th- this is someone who ran a marathon over the weekend okay yes. let me talk to the average common person i went to ford versus ferrari this week Two and a half hour movie. I made sure I had my nachos. I made sure I had my salted pretzel bites, and I made sure I had my vanilla root beer. All the wow. food groups, and that's why this T-shirt's so tight on me. <laughs> okay, wait. I have a good follow-up question to this. Jonathan Caro is saying Perry will like this one. If you were to run in a marathon, five k, one k, etc., in a movie setting, where would it be? For example, the Shire five k, like as in Lord of the Rings. I, I'll run. Actually, here I got the perfect answer. I'm gonna run through Jurassic Park mm-hmm. because later this month they're actually doing a Jurassic World 10K, I believe it is, in Universal. Are you doing it? Yeah, I am. Oh. I'm, I'm going with Donato. Oh, great! Yeah, we're gonna run a race. <laughs> you seem I'm so glad. Thrilled. I'm glad. No, that's. Do you want to come join? No, I don't. I, don't I had a feeling that was the answer. I can root. I, I can root for you. Ask. <laughs> Wait, what's Where your you, answer? Oh, what 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 land or whatever? What yeah. you want to cinematic? Run in a movie yet. Oh god. I don't know. What, Camp do you have Crystal an answer? Lake. I have so many. Really? Oh. I'd 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 want to run like through um the the maze in the shining. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. But isn't that like kind of running nowhere? Oh, so what? I don't <laughs> it's know. still counts. <laughs> Maybe ch- chariots of It's got to uh, work off those pretzel bites. Okay. Running on the beach? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got I got a couple. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, of... I like to run across Alcatraz in the rock, and then at the very end of the race, right as I cross the finish line, I get down on my knees, and I do the Nick Cage. I'd like to see that. Dream, dream come true right Yeah, there. that's is my that dream. Is, that <laughs> uh, Steve Calderon wants to know, how do you feel about another Paranormal Activity movie coming in March in March 2021? Have they, this is, is this a reboot, or is this connected to the mythology established in the previous I mean, it's, they've kind of been rebooting themselves along the way. Have they really? Well, it, you know, there was that one where they kind of went back into the other movies well, and things. Marked Ones. Marked Ones Marked did ones that one. Marked Ones was the spinoff, but it still is connected. Yes, and then the um, the one where you saw the ghosts for the Ghost first dimension? time. Ghost Dimension? Ghost Dimension had some kind of... I, don't, I saw Ghost Dimension once and I've seen again. every single Blumhouse horror movie. So I have to see, I think every, that, every including, single, every, inclu- including every episode of In the Dark or Into the Dark I or whatever. I have to catch wow. up on some of yeah. those. So I think I've seen That's like close to 90 
what's, what's the most obscure Blumhouse movie that oh, someone God, might not think of? There's like one called Totem that that few people have seen. There's Totem. one called Seven in Heaven that's about yeah. the, that's the seven minutes in heaven thing, but huh. you get into another dimension where everybody's like getting killed and yeah so i i, I have to see There's i mean parallel like mercy to, right mercy is one yeah oh, that's maybe that one, one of the worst ones i've ever yeah. seen yeah who's, who's in mercy again? mercy is has J. duplass is in it uh, or mark duplass is in it and it's based on a stephen king story and it is abominable it's okay. terrible yeah I'm not, I'm not putting that one on the no, list anytime no. soon do, do either you care about another paranormal movie uh no i'm out on this franchise i used to work for for blumhouse for jason blum when paranormal activity was but a dvd on the shelf that I was not allowed to touch. Um, and oh, no. I think I saw... I like the first Paranormal Activity. I thought the second one was okay, too. But they just got progressively worse. Yeah. Three is out. really good. The one that's set one, in the 80s. One, two, and yeah. three are great. And I also think the marked ones is one it's that... Cool. Me, I thought it was very, very well yeah, done. But too. then after that... That with the Latino cast? Yes. That one was okay, yeah. But I think I gave up after... The, well, the most one. the most recent ones the are two were bad. not... They're, they're garbage films. They're terrible. Well, they could do they could do another format too. Like it doesn't doesn't have to be that, security see, that's camera. That's something I would right. be interested yeah. in. It's like it's been what two thousand nine, so it's been ten years since that first movie came out. It's I like that format. I thought it was genius at the time. But find that that next genius the t- idea. You're right. The, the title and the brand is valuable, but they got to move on from from what those movies are and maybe yeah. put some money into them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see in twenty twenty one. All right. This question is dangerous, but it's Friday. Let's have fun. Justin Rosk wants to know, in the spirit of drunk holidays, Collider videos, what is your favorite intoxication scene or plot in a movie, drunk or otherwise? Well, there's the Wolf of Wall Street scene. It's like, oh that, my God. That's like the Citizen Kane. Of the like, physicality of yeah. that performance in that moment is just, it's so good. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I just like... I guess all the drinking and dazed and confused. Oh, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. It's everything about beer. Like when he throws the beer, he gets the beer out of the trunk and he th- throws it to him. He's like, what are you wasting a beer on that guy? <laughs> and then at the end when they're trying, you know, like the beer is tapped and everything. Uh, it's just everything with beer in that movie is great. That movie definitely like prepared me for young partying. <laughs> I, wa- I watched Harry that. was at all the parties being like, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> about them what high el- school boys. What else do you do at parties? <laughs> I feel like there's more of those, uh, like the high school party movies that I'm not thinking about right yeah, now. Project X. It's like a, and- I think about like Can't Hardly Wait, but I don't really remember like other than uh, What's His Face getting Charlie super Cosmo wasted. Gets wasted yeah. he, like he gets wasted, but that's not the type of thing where I'm like, like relive that scene, you know? Sixteen Candles like has a lot of extreme partying. This isn't necessarily intoxication, but going back to Scream, Tatum's death, carrying all the beers. So That's right, yep. She starts throwing the beers. Mm-hmm. I won a signed Scream 4 poster because Wes Craven at the time was doing all these trivia questions to give away some stuff before the movie came out, and one of his questions was, how many beers is she holding when that happens? And it's five. Ooh. And I won. The, the that's fact that that's he went, good. That... I may not want the part of this Scream <laughs> trivia match, Drew. <laughs> That that came from gonna, no, no I'll, study. I'll be the judge, and I'll be wearing my it. fingers crossed. <laughs> wow! And trying to estimate. 
I can't believe he was in his waning days was doing scream trivia before a screening. That depresses but, me. No, that de- that actually makes me really happy because I think that he cared about that franchise and what he was doing so so much. And I also really think he was very passionate about fan engagement. That felt so wholehearted yeah, to me. I, and watching him go back and forth, like further communicating with fans, I, I thought that was a great thing. Remember he those did. Last House on the Left <laughs> trivia? <laughs> yeah, she does. I was gonna say my soul <laughs> to take. Yeah. No. Yeah. My soul to take i know i know oh i don't want to end on a negative note all right do you guys want another food question let's do one more food question then we'll say goodbye matt stoker says what is the best film to bring together your family after an intense thanksgiving dinner why does it have to be intense it's going to be nice not everyone has your nice family let's just be be honest we're not all sitting around the campfire watching marvelous mrs Maisel. That is what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, probably what we're doing after Thanksgiving dinners, we're probably all sitting around the TV and watching a Final Destination movie. That's probably the truth of the matter. Your mother watches that? My, my family loves horror, yeah. Oh, and yeah. it's like if I could think about certain franchises where if any installment is playing on TV, we'll all wind up in the same room. It's probably, it's probably Jurassic, Final Destination, the Scream movies. I love how much we're getting to learn about Perry's yeah. we, home we, life. It's been we really, yeah. like, I grew up in a house that just, like, loved entertainment. I love that. Yeah, as do I. I'm very <laughs> thankful for that. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you guys, uh, I forgot what the question Die was. Hard. What are you guys asking? Die, Die Hard is the movie that I would gather the family around after an that. intense. I don't think, I would just go off and watch whatever weird <laughs> thing I needed to watch. Whatever, whatever you got to do. Yeah, whatever. Whatever you got to do to be thankful for whatever you want to be thankful for on Thanksgiving. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this Friday edition of Collider Movie Talk. Thank you guys so much for being here. Drew, Jeff, hope you have a wonderful weekend. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. You guys rock. Thank you so much for your help as always. Now, leave this video, but don't leave it without liking and sharing it. But there's only one place you're supposed to go after you leave Collider Movie Talk. It's Collider Live. Enjoy that show. Have a great weekend, everyone. We will see you Monday morning with a brand new episode. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCOA.